Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Center Point. Glad to have you here in the house today. Y'all excited to be in church today? That's so good. That's so good. I always am nervous asking that question because some of you are like, mm-mm. It'd be really weird if you're all like, boo. My name's Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I'm just super glad that you're with us. And also wanted to say, chances are if you're joining us for the first time, uh, somebody invited you. And that's a huge thing. I met somebody outside before service uh, and they had someone invited them and they're like, man, I'm really glad to be back. It's so good. So uh, for you, if you're first time here, man, we're so glad you're here. And for so many of you inviting people to join you, man, that is awesome. And we love that. Uh, we can create a church with all of us where every kind of person can come in and be here. And uh, we're just thankful for you inviting people. And that's huge. Uh, so we're gonna have a great experience today. Uh, man, I just wanna, before we talk about uh, what we're talking about today with Awakenings, I wanna just uh, take a second and thank you so much. Uh, some of you know, uh, back September 30, my wife and I had a baby girl. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, we have a picture here. Yeah, I made that. Um, well, I mean, technically, yes, but like not all the way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, we have four kids, it's like the adjustment has been huge. So thank you so much for all your gifts and your support and your encouragement and the meals and everything. I mean, you guys are incredible. We feel so loved and blessed by you. Uh, and it's funny because like four kids, like the, like the great theologian Jim Gaffigan said, um, imagine having a fourth kid. It's like, imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. Like that's been the last six weeks have been tough for us. And then also um, it's our fourth girl. Uh, so everyone's like, four girls, oh my goodness. I'm, like, I'm a, such a girl dad though. Like, like, I know Barbie's last name is Roberts. Like, you didn't know that. Like, I couldn't tell you who half the Avengers are, but I can tell you that Barbie is Barbie, Stacy, Skipper, and Chelsea in the Roberts household. And man, I love my girls, though. It is so much fun. As I think, life's just supposed to be fun, right? Like, even kids, even though they're crazy, like, we're supposed to have a good time with them. Like, and this is the thing I know, though, is if you have a child or you're expecting a child, no one ever is 100% confident and ready having a kid, right? Like, whether it's their first kid or it's their fourth kid or however many kids, like, every time you have a kid, you, like, you're never totally confident. You can prepare all you want, but you're never going to be ready. And for some of us, it's funny, because we, we think, like, if I just wait until I'm ready and I'm confident, then I'll be fine and I can do that thing. But whether it's raising a kid or taking a step into a new career or going to school, whatever it is, like waiting till you're 100% confident is never a good thing because you're probably never going to be 100% confident. And we've all been around those people who are 100% confident and they usually mess something up, don't they? Because they don't listen, they think they got it all figured out, like whatever it is, like they have all the answers and, and for us, like we have to be comfortable in life stepping out before we have all the answers. And that includes areas of faith and our confidence with God. See, through the series, we're talking about growing and gaining confidence in God, faith in God. And, and, but this is the reality for all of us. Like, we don't just want to believe more things about Jesus' life. That, 
for some of us, we can, well, I just believe more about Jesus. Like, like that's not necessarily having confidence in God. See, confidence, is God, confidence in God is seen through changes in your life, not just what you believe about Jesus' life. Where, where you read the scriptures, you read about Jesus, how he interacted with people, how he loved people, how whatever it may be, you read things, and at some point you go, well, I should probably do what he did. Right, that's where we kind of get off, honestly, easy, because we just say, well, I'm a Christian, and we just thought, like, Christianity is such a, a phrase or a term, or for some of us, even the last couple of years, it's like, I just don't even want to be called a Christian. Like, the early movement of Jesus was called the way because they followed the way of Jesus. So for you and I to, to grow our confidence in God means that we actually have some changes to make in our lives. But you don't have to be totally confident in God before you make any changes. It's the thing where it's, growing confidence, and we're talking about how you can grow your faith, and there's a few things in particular we see, I've seen in my life, I've seen people I talk with, like the things that will grow your faith, and one of the things that we're, what we're gonna talk about today is providential relationships. Like basically, it's, it's meaningful relationships, providential relationships, and this is true of faith and, and life outside of faith. Even if you're here today and you're like, man, you're online, you're listening later, you're here in the room, you're like, I don't really believe any of the Jesus stuff. I come because they ask me to or because I'm curious, like you are so welcome here. We're really glad that you're here. And we talk about this a lot, is you can belong before you believe, and we're okay with people wrestling with questions because that's what the church should be. But the issue for all of us is providential relationships are good and bad for us, right? Because chances are that the, some of the best things in your life and some of the worst things in your life were because you met somebody. You can look back and go, well, everything was great, and then I went to college and I met her, and everything got better or I met him and things went off the rails and everything was great. And then I met this person, we started partying some and it was great. And then you look back, you're like, man, that one person impacted my entire life. Right, some of you, even for me, I remember I have a, a martial arts teacher, you own the school. I look back at him back when I was 15 years old. He's teaching me how to teach people. Like that one relationship had nothing to do with church. That one relationship has impacted my entire life because now I've learned that I love, man, I get to teach people. I can point directly back to one person. And you probably have the same thing in your life. Yeah. But here's the issue though, with us building and growing providential relationships is that we like to impress people. Like, like all of us. That's why you probably looked in the mirror before you came out today, right? Some of you didn't and it shows. But here's the reality, like, we like to impress people. And we love to be impressed by people too. Like, don't show me your garbage, don't show me the dirt, don't show me the skeleton in the closet. Like, I just want a nice, clean, tidy, celebrity, athlete, pastor, friend, neighbor, whoever is like, I wanna be impressed by you and I want to impress people. But the issue is, when I'm so focused on being impressive to people, I am not real with people. And where I start pretending who I am, I build a wall up over any providential relationship with that person. Because they might like a version of me, but they don't like the real me. See, so many of us, like our desire to be known for something is greater than our desire to be known by someone. And the relationships that you have in life are the ones, like those are the things when you look back that will matter most to you. It's not all the things you did and we all wanna do great things in life. But the greatest thing that we should have to look after our life is, man, the people that I know, the relationships that I had. And this is where we, as, as a, a gathering of believers, we have to be okay with people's messes. Because everyone has them, right? 
Like we gotta be okay welcoming people in and sharing our mess with people and embracing that I'm not that impressive and you aren't that impressive and really begin building relationships with people. And this is, I think, where the issue with so many of us with church because we've been pretending like outside, but also we pretend a whole lot inside church, don't we? Like you're frustrated about something, you're like having issues, whatever, and you get to church and it's like, hey, just pretend everything's fine because you can pretend everything's fine for about two hours pretty easily, right? Doesn't matter what the conversation was on the way into church or after church or what last night looked like or how things are at home or at work or how you treat your neighbors. Like for these two hours on Sunday, I can pretend. And because we are not real with the people around us, we don't have confidence with those relationships, but also even in the context of faith, because we're not real with the people around us, we're not real with God and then we lack confidence with God. And we really start to question like, does God really like the real me? Not just the virgin that I put up in front of everybody else. Does God really like me? Is Jesus okay with me? And that's where you look at so many religious systems, whether it's a Judeo-Christian system or any other system, generally they're focused on a vertical relationship where you're constantly going, God, are we good? God, are we good? God, are we good? And you gotta bring tithes and offerings and you gotta give money and you gotta sacrifice things. And, and as you look through the scriptures, you actually see that was the Old Testament. Like that was the whole model for the Hebrew Jewish nation. They actually had this, all these laws set up and God set them up, and, and basically God set up to say, this is gonna be a picture, this is gonna give you an idea and really help you understand who you are and the real you so I can come with the real solution. So he set up these laws, he set up all these things, and their, their whole religious system was, man, go to the temple, I gotta give money, and I gotta sacrifice something, I gotta do this, I gotta pray, I gotta think, did I do everything right? And there's actually even sacrifices for things that I did that I didn't even know that I did, that I forgot about. Like, constantly you're wondering, like, are we good, God? Like, are we good? Are we good? It's funny because it's thousands of years later, we don't have a temple, we're not sacrificing animals, but I think some of you, you sacrifice Sunday morning just to see if you and God are good. And you're still going back, hey God, are we good? God, like I give up Sunday, I give some money. Like, are we good? And this is where Jesus comes I said that God presented a problem to give a real solution. Jesus comes as that real solution. And Jesus comes and accepts everybody, loves everybody, welcomes everybody, and he tells everybody, come to me. I am the solution to your brokenness, to your problem. And because I am perfect, when you step into my substitution for you, you are seen as perfect before God. And you and God are good because I took your punishment. I took your place. So now, if you're with me, you're good with God but we forget things so easily. And actually the, the writers to the early church had to remind the people constantly of this. And there's this letter written to the group, this group of Hebrews, which Hebrew and Jewish person is the same thing, written to this group of Hebrews, basically explaining to them, hey, I know for thousands of years you've operated with this temple system, you've operated where things are like, are you and God good? You gotta sacrifice, you gotta do these things. Jesus came, I know this is crazy, it's hard to believe this, but Jesus came and he actually is better than all that stuff. Jesus has fulfilled all of that. And Jesus is better than any high priest that you've had, than any sacrifice that you had, than any temple. Like, Jesus is superior. So if you read through this letter to the Hebrew people, that's the entire point in the letter, that Jesus is superior. And there's this passage in chapter 10, which just side note, we put the chapters and verses in there. Okay, y'all, if you don't know that, like we did that. Like the author wasn't like, in chapter 10, 
kept going. He just wrote it and we took it and we, we did it so we can follow along easier. But towards the end of this letter, chapter 10, he, he's writing, he's reminding them, you and God are good because of Jesus, not because of yourself. You can be confident in your standing with God because of Jesus. And then he goes on, after explaining that and really doubling down on that, he goes on and he writes this, which kind of, to be honest, it doesn't really fit in, in some ways. You're like, why is this here? But I think we'll see why it's there in a second. He goes on, he says this in chapter 11. He says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to loving good deeds. It's like you and God are good because of Jesus. And now we gotta make sure we're pushing each other, we're encouraging, we're spurring one another on towards loving good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now again, he's talking about how you and God are good. And then because you and God are good, this is what you gotta do. Two, two primary things you have to do. You have to push each other towards loving good deeds, gotta encourage each other, and you gotta meet together. You gotta be around each other. Now, I think, I think the reason he tells us to push each other towards loving good deeds is because we're not always the most loving and good people, are we? Maybe it's just me, but I get grumpy, y'all. We got a baby at home. She's not sleeping great, but she sleeps pretty good. I don't know, Rachel take care of all that stuff. I sleep through the night fine. Everyone's asking, how you doing? I'm like, I'm great. There are times, like true story, like times where I will get up and help Rachel with something and get back in bed. I don't even wake up. I don't even know what happened. But did you know you did it last night? I'm like, no, I didn't. Just don't have me hold the baby at nighttime because I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but naturally, we are not bent towards being the most loving and gracious people. Naturally, we want to be selfish. I want to watch out for myself. So this writer said, hey, you have to push each other on towards loving good deeds and don't give up meeting together. Now, this is the thing that's so powerful. See, if I do some good deeds, if I love some people, just me, like that's good. But then imagine what happens when we all come together and do that. Imagine the impact we can have on our neighborhoods and our community when we all do that. Now, y'all remember a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that our church gave over $70,000 away to our community. Yeah, we can still celebrate that. That's a lot of money, right? And for us, a lot of us, if you've been around the house for a while, you know, like, that's just kind of normal. We do that now, but that's so crazy. Now, I don't know about you. I can't write a $70,000 check, but I can write a small part of that. And I can give to a larger gathering where we can go give it. We can make a massive impact in our gathering. And this is the thing too. We want to be known for being the most loving and generous church in the area. Like, I think as the, the people of God, that should be our goal. And, and every gathering of believers should be, how can we be more loving and generous? So my wife and I, we were, we were on a walk a couple weeks ago and we go up, meet up with one of our neighbors and talking about, hey, you got a kid. I said, dude, you should totally bring your kid to CC Kids. We got this Halloween party coming. It's gonna be awesome. Like, like and, and, and here's the deal. Inviting takes 30 seconds of courage. And I get nervous just like everybody else. I go, hey man, you, you totally gotta come out. It's great for your kids. And if you guys wanna come hang out too, it's awesome. Like, your, your kids are gonna love it. And he said, center point. So that name, like, that church is familiar. Like, how do I know that church? I didn't say this, but I wanted to, and I will next time. I almost said, well, we're the really generous church in the area. Like you probably heard about it because we give tens of thousands of dollars away every year to partner organizations that deal with homelessness and crisis issues. Like we're super generous. And like, don't you want to be known as a super generous church in the neighborhood? Like that's where we got to come together. We got to push each other towards loving good deeds. And 
Also, this is a quick reminder about inviting people and connecting with people. Like providential relationships happen because we connect with people. And you could be the person five years from now that they look back and go, man, that person invited me to come and experience something completely alternative to church as usual. And I love it because here's the thing. Generally speaking, a person's relationship with God begins with a relationship with one of his followers. And this is why we don't just huddle up together and focus on how can we be better together. We really say, man, how can we get together and how can we go and be loving and do good deeds to people all around us? That's why we give the gift of hope. That's why we're constantly pushing up. How can we be inviting people? How can we be showing love to people? And so many of you are inviting people. That's incredible. You could be the story that someone looks back to and says, man, they invited me and like everything is different now. Because you are that providential relationship for them. And here's the second thing we gotta do. Not just push each other towards love and good deeds. We gotta, we gotta continue meeting together. Not, whenever I see like a, a command or a, hey, do this or don't do that, I always think like, you gotta ask like, why is that there? And you gotta think, why does he have to remind them to meet together? It's because he says it right there. Some people are in the habit of not meeting together anymore. Now, why would want, people wanna meet together? Theologically, it's because people suck. <laughs> right? And not just them over there, like, like I suck. I don't even know you probably, but you suck probably. <laughs> like I'm not trying to be rude about it, but here's just really, people are difficult, aren't they? People have all sorts of conversations and do all sorts of things and like, it's not even that they mean anything by it, but like people can be difficult. That's why some of you cannot get out of your place of work fast enough on Friday at five o'clock. I'm done with all this, I get home, and then you get home and you're like, man, I love these people. I made some of these little people. Some of these little people suck too. <laughs> and I just want me time. But, but he, here's the reality though. This is where the author is saying, you gotta be loving, you gotta give deep, you gotta come together. And one of the most powerful things that happens when you come together is that people can see sides of you that you don't even see yourself. That's why you gotta gather around some people who are loving and caring and they can ask you some questions and talk to you about some things that you may not even notice it. Because all of us have blind spots. Tell you, a friend of mine, and I've been so blessed with this, it's been so incredible. Like I've had people since college, some people, we've kept the friendship since college, but since college I've always had a group of people, a group of guys around me that we basically, basically can ask anything and be asked anything. Nothing, like literally nothing is off limits. And it's not because we're trying to dig in and figure out what's wrong and try to solve whatever, but just so, man, I wanna have a great long life. I wanna have a great long marriage. I wanna have a great long ministry. I want my kids to love me when they're old enough to not have to be in my house anymore. Like, and I need some people around me that can ask me anything. And it makes some really awkward situations. Or things even, maybe it's in my life, maybe it's someone else's life, I go, hey, you don't think that thing's a big deal, but that's actually a big deal. I'm gonna circle back around to this in a couple of weeks and ask you about that because you don't think that relationship is anything. Like, I'm gonna tell you, that's the start of something bad. Or you don't think that decision is that, or hey, you're handling stuff this way. Like, we will talk about anything and everything. And again, it's not with everybody. Right? I, got, I got hundreds of connections online. I got dozens of people that I know. I have a group of people that meet in my house every other week and we talk about life and we do life together. But it's not even like 10 or 12 people. This is like two people. That I can look eyeball to eyeball. We can talk about everything and anything. And you have to have people around you that are not impressed by you and that you are not trying to impress. Because if I'm worried about impressing you, I'm gonna hide things from you. 
We gotta be able to push through. But if we're honest about this though, like for so many of us, this loving, accepting community, like that's not what we've experienced with the church. Like you've come and you've opened up and you've shared your stuff, you've shared your struggle, you've shared your question. And for some of you, literally it was, hey, there's the door, thanks for coming. And this is where it's so hard for us because we talk about you gotta have relationships, you gotta be around people and you're like, I really wanna believe it's true but I haven't experienced that. And so we as the, the church, the movement of Jesus, as followers of the way of Jesus, we should be the most like Jesus. See, Jesus was the most loving and safe person imaginable. So the church, the movement of Jesus should be the most loving and safe place. And that's what we are creating here. Again, we talk about this every week. Through your financial generosity, we are creating a space for students and children and adults and every kind of person imaginable come in. And sometimes you, you think we just say that. And it's not appropriate, but we could literally give you story after story after story of people coming in and go, I wouldn't be accepted anywhere else. I thought because of my past, I was out. I thought because this, I thought there's a situation that I've gone too far, I've done too much, and we are resounding with our answer of no, you haven't. Jesus will be with you all the way. Mister, we like we're doing some work with this, and thank you so much for being part of that. We also got to keep doing some work, and it's not just us. Like this is the, the if you look through the writings of the the early church, this was a constant reminder for them too. Like this is. Or we need to reclaim even what Paul, uh, this guy, he went and started tons of churches uh, in the early, like first century, the movement of Jesus. He started all these churches, led in incredible ways. And this is what he wrote to one of his churches. And we need to reclaim this and we need to take this and really live this out. This is what he said in Galatians chapter six, just a letter he wrote. He said, brothers and sisters, okay, even this terminology, it's family, people, hey, you know each other, you're known by each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore this person gently. Carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, sadly, some of us, you read that, and you go, man, that would be great if that was my experience. And if you wrote it based on your experience, this is maybe more what it would sound like. It says, brothers and sisters, if anyone's caught in a sin, you who appear to have your lives together should expose this person humiliate them, send them away to get their life together before they can be accepted. So now here's the reality. Guilt is a horrible motivator. But it's also effective in the short term. But relationships are not about the short term. See, gentleness and kindness are much slower motivators, but I'll have a relationship with you 10 years from now. Even again, if you're a parent with your kids, man, it is so much easier to raise my voice, to be, you know, beat my chest. I mean, I don't literally do that, right? I'm not a caveman, but like it is so much easier to get loud and more strong with my words. Like that's not gonna produce a relationship with my girls 15 years from now. And while guilt and intimidation and manipulation give immediate results, they're not lasting results. And kindness and gentleness, that's why even Paul wrote in a different letter to the Romans, he said, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Now, repentance simply means turning and changing direction. And it's God's kindness that draws people to himself. 
That's where we as a church, we need to reclaim this. And this needs to be how we operate because the people in the, the movement, people who follow the way of Jesus need to handle things the way Jesus would. So we go back. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore this person gently. I think that says, if you live by the spirit, you, hand, you handle things with gentleness, right? Again, the following the way of Jesus means you handle things the way Jesus did. If you look through Jesus' life, Every time he's caught up with somebody, and some people, like, like straight up, they were caught in sin. They were doing stuff that was against what God would have for them. It was not God's best for them. That would hurt them and hurt people around. Like, they were doing something wrong, right? None of us like to hear that we do wrong things. That's the reality. In those situations, and Jesus, instead of saying, you know, actually the law says this, my dad wrote this. I was there when he did it, I know. Instead of that, he said, hey, if you don't have any sin, you can cast the first stone. And Jesus came alongside people and showed them what they didn't see in themselves. And he was always gracious, always kind with people caught in difficult and even sinful situations. So the people he had no patience for were the people who pretended to have it all together. And he would try to expose that and show them, hey, this is not how it's supposed to be. Because you should restore this person in gentleness. Now the word here, restore, it means literally to make one who he ought to be. To make one who he ought to be. To bring them back to fullness. To make them who they should be. It's not who you want to be, it's who you're called to be. Because who I want to be changes all the time. Depending on my mood, depending on what I've ate or how much I've slept. Like who I want to be, the kind of dad I want to be, the kind of pastor I want to be, the kind of husband I want to be. That can change all the time. But who I am called to be is pretty constant. And what Paul says, you need people around you that can bring you back to help you to be who you're called to be. No matter what. And if you could remember one thing from today. And we talk about this, we talk about that. Like if you can remember one thing, if you could write this down, if you could put it on, if you, you, got, you follow along in the app, right? We have our app where you can take notes. You have this. Like this is the one thing. If you can remember one thing is to be who you're called to be takes community you will be a version of yourself. But without community, I don't think you'll be the best version of yourself. And this is where it takes community to be around this. And Paul says, if you see someone caught in sin, you restore them gently. And then he goes on, he says, and carry each other's burdens. You gotta carry burdens with people. And in doing this, when you do this, you're gonna fulfill the law of Christ. Now the, the law of Christ, that's what Jesus came and taught. See, the old system was the sacrifices and the, the temple and all these things. And the law of Christ was not simply like the golden rule of treat people how you want to be treated. Like, like you can teach your kids that you don't need Jesus in that at all. The law of Christ is that you treat people the way that Jesus treated you. And, and Jesus... And he saw you caught in your sin. He saw you caught in your mess. And he said, hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to actually not just help you. I'm going to take your place. And the burden that you're carrying, and some of us, this is the reality, you have said yes to Jesus, you're following Jesus, and you still have that thing that you're holding on to. You still have that burden. You're like, man, I thought when I said yes to Jesus, everything would be all right and everything would be fine, but I still got this burden. I got to tell you, Jesus actually came and met you and he's carrying that burden with you. But he's also directing you to get into community with people who can help you bear that burden. Because there are some things you can't handle on your own. 
There's some things I can't handle on my own. As much as I would love to just figure it out and bootstrap it and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna figure it out. Like, I can't. I gotta have people to my left and to my right to carry it with me and to push me to be who I'm called to be. The last thing I'd say about this passage is we like to jump on people and confront sin, but if you're not willing to carry the burden, don't call out the burden. Like you're, you're so concerned about, oh, I just got fixed. If, if you're not one to carry it and like be there to get the phone call at any time of day, you probably are not the person who needs to call that out. You probably just need to let the Holy Spirit do his job and you keep loving that person. Because people are not projects. We don't go in and try to fix things and try to guilt trip them. Hey, just change real quick. And if you can change in three weeks, then things are good. But man, the burden takes time. But relationships are about the long term. Now you want to build community. You want to be with people, man. The way we do that, the way we help that happen here at Center Point is through groups. And you hear us talk about groups a lot. And man, this is where you can get around a group of people where you can join in with them and, and live life with them, right? Through the highs and the lows and they can be constant with you. Man, and it is so important. And being in a group will cost you something. Right? It's gonna cost you a night of the week probably. It's gonna cost you some other things. But I'm gonna tell you, it is so worth it. And here's how we do this. We get people into to circles. There's 10 or 12 people. You're meeting in someone's house. You're meeting in a coffee shop. You're meeting somewhere where it's, it's not a perfect science because relationships are not a perfect science. But you get yourself around some people and you're going to go, you know, none of these people really work for me. I gave it a try. I'm going to join a different group. That's totally fine because relationships are like that. Or you're going to get in a group of people and you go, you know what? I, and that one person, like I, everything was going fine, I thought in my life, and then I got in and then I met her. And she actually walked where I am trying to walk right now. She's actually been through life a little bit more than I have and she's able to give me some insight. Man, like my life is significantly better because I put myself in the context of 10 or 12 people and I found my one person that I could connect with. That I could be open and honest about everything and anything. So if I've never told anybody before, I can talk to them about it. And here's the thing for, for so many of them, man, that, that would be my dream for you. If I can tell you, my wife and I, man, we host a group. Thinking about this last week. In our group, we have people crying because they got some news from a doctor they really did not want to get. We prayed with them. We care for them. We say, hey, anything you need. And we mean it, anything you need. We'll pick your kids up. We'll help you. With, we'll give you groceries. We'll bring meals to you. And these people over here are hurting and they're trying to trust Jesus. And we're all joining together with them. And we got this person over here who's crying, happy tears. Going, man, Jesus is at work. I'm seeing this happen. And I would not believe this if you told me six months ago this was going to happen. I would never believe this. It's so good. And we're celebrating with them. And that is the reality of life, isn't it? And that's why you need a few people to gather around because to be who you're called to be takes community. You will get somewhere on your own, but I don't think you'll get to where God wants you to be on your own. Now I know for some of you, man, the idea of like coming in a Sunday morning and sitting in a row and being here with a couple hundred people, you're like, man, this is, this is fine. Now I gotta go to someone's house on Tuesday that I don't even know. I don't know if their house is clean. I don't know if they cook good. Are we gonna be weird? Are we gonna kumbaya? Like, what, like, that, like that's a very real thing. For some of you, you're like, man, I have no idea what to experience. This is what I'd say. After our services today, what we're gonna do over here, next steps, to your right, to my left, we're gonna have some group leaders. 
These are people who have some room in their group. Some people are just group leaders and you can just meet some people. You're gonna see group leaders are people just like you. And you're gonna be able just to meet them. And just hang on. You don't have to join a group, but you can just meet some people. Or for some of you, you go on our website, you go under our groups, you can find we have you know, a dozen or more groups open right now that you could request to join. And what I would say, if you're uncomfortable going from Sunday morning to Tuesday night at someone's house, find a group that you would be interested. Hit a button that says request to join. Write them a message and say, could we just meet after service sometime? Like, could we just, could I just meet you? Like, I, I'm, like, hey, straight up, Justin told me I might not like you. I think you probably will. But you can say, hey, I, I'm just not totally sure. I, I'm just, I've never done this before. Like, is this real? Like, I just, I just need to meet you and then just meet him outside after a service. And we're working through some ways that help you get more engaged because again, community, I believe, has the power to change your life and to grow your confidence and your faith in God because to be who you're called to be takes community. And if you're interested in meeting some group leaders right after the service, we'll be over here in next steps. All of us, would you stand with me? I want to pray because I know there's some people, even you have some baggage. You have some stuff where you're like, man, I've tried this. I've been there. I've done that. I got the t-shirt for it. And it's just so difficult and it's hard. I don't know. I don't know if this is a real deal or you're trying to figure out, you're like, man, I feel like I need to get connected. I talk to people all the time. Like, I just, I feel like I got to do a next step. I feel like I need something. Can I tell you, I think Maybe today is that step for you. You need to take 30 seconds of courage and just walk over to next steps. Hang out, talk for five minutes, maybe meet a group leader, but be looking around in your life, where can you get some community and where can you have some people who come alongside you to help you be who you're called to be? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, for working in us. God, for, for taking care of so much. God, for, for really making it so we can have confidence in you, God, through, through what you've done. God, you came towards our mess. You have been so kind. God, I pray that we could be a church. God, we could be a movement that is known by being kind and gracious to every kind of person imaginable. God, that we would be a church there are people wrestling with questions and God, all sorts of things. God, we could be a place that's safe for everybody because you are safe for everybody. God, that we also be a church and a gathering, a movement, a community that pushes each other to be who we're called to be. And that we could see an incredible impact on our community for you. I pray for courage for the people who need courage today. God, they'd be able to take a step towards community. God, you would bless that action and you'd grow their faith. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.